Welcome to the Heart Tech Podcast, a show about innovation, technology, and leadership. This podcast is brought to you by The Heart. Today on the topic of artificial intelligence and human ethics with a great expert in this topic, Anatole Topol from IBM Research. Hello. Welcome, welcome. So let's start with, with your work at IBM Research. You work a lot on the topics of AI, a very hot topic right now, and linking it with ethic. What are your biggest questions that you're working on? I think the biggest question is, um, can we really trust the system? A lot of companies, a lot of uh, universities are asking about biases, are asking about the systems, but I think if you think about any technologies we develop today, and this is beyond AI, just any, simply any technology, there is a time when technology starts, everybody starts talking about it, and there's a time for this technology to mature to the level where some of the original challenges and opportunities bloom, and we address some of the challenges. And uh, this is where we are with AI, where this evolutionary part where we know what the challenges are, and we really have to create some type of solutions that relate to explainability, solutions that relate to robustness of the systems, solutions that relate to uh, what we call lineage, which is providence of the data, and of course, fairness, which is the bias question. We mentioned the question, what's your answer right now? Uh, can we trust AI? Are you an optimist or a pessimist? Where are we right now on this hype curve from high expectations to real impact? So if I just take bias, just the fairness, we have to understand that there's 21 definition of fairness. There's over 100, 180 biases. So there's no possibility for us right now to say I have a solution and we're ready to go. And so a lot of companies uh, really are trying to evaluate what are the tools we have to build, because it's not going to be just one algorithm that we deploy. Um, the biases come in the data sets. The biases come in uh, our models and our al algorithms. So the key goal is for all the data scientists and all the developers to just consider that every single time they create something, they now have to debug mm -hmm. those programs, now have to debug those uh, methods and data sets against some type of debugging test against one or many of those biases. And it starts if we look at the various companies announcing um, their solutions. Uh, many of them have a single point solutions. IBM is really working on a tool across transparency, across security, and across uh, this lineage, because we know all those things have to be addressed, but it's not going to be a, a single point solution, that's for sure. So summing up, are you an optimist or a pessimist? I am an optimist, <laughs> and I think it's, it comes from the point of view that when cars, we were talking about this, right? When the cars first came to United States, there was no seat belts, there was no stop signs, there was no traffic lights. And yet, even though we have uh, folks dying from car crashes, we absolutely are happy using those cars because it gives us some benefit. In AI case, uh, there's no doubt that there's a lot of benefits coming from us really being supported, assisted, especially on the business level, in creating machines that assist us in some important risk the, uh, mitigation or risk decision-making process. And that's the benefit of really matching the uh, ability of AI systems to understand patterns mm -hmm. and, and ability of humans right now in this situational awareness and, in a way, really thinking about our ability to feel 
combination of those two things, I think, is marvelous. We've seen through the Cambridge Analytica case and U.S. elections the, the power of AI to influence people, the power of technology, uh, including influencing elections. What are the biggest ethical implications in the business setting? Which b- businesses or industries do you think are most affected by those problems? So I think we have to think of this in the following way. The machine learning systems are designed to look for patterns and think of matching patterns. So if you are a person who has a high salary, if you are a person that has no depth, you don't own any money, then a machine patterning solution could be such that you are matched with the pattern of Uh, you paying loans well, right? So Mm -hmm. there's a matching patterns. And we just have to be very careful because there are specific social norms, uh, specific company policies, specific legal regulations which have to be taken in consideration when we build the system. So U.S. civil rights uh, requires that gender, color, origin, your nationality cannot be considered in a credit risk distribution, right? So every business has to understand... And you need to teach your AI exactly, th- those rights. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and so, so the discussion really has to be what are the very specific norms, policies, and legal rules, and the AI has to understand them. And I, I, I think this is the biggest discussions we have right now. Do we all understand the rules? And do we test? Do we test against those rules? Let's talk about those challenges. Uh, one obvious one is privacy. Mm-hmm. Lots of data around about us. Do you think there's space for new ventures, new products, new services to protect our privacy from the AI that's learning about us? I think in general, we just have to think about AI systems a little dif- differently because think about any software products we develop today. It took us generations to develop a general debugging programs, and it takes us still every single year many technologists that need to develop better and better security solutions for those software products. AI is like any other software product, but it's a little more complicated because it operates on a lot of data. Mm-hmm. And so there will be place for many companies, and I really mean many companies, to consistently and continuously, just like we do in any, in any other software, upgrade security and safety of those data sets and models and algorithms and just the general life cycle of AI process. Remember, we start with collecting the data, so we have to trust the data. Mm-hmm. Then we pre-process the data. Again, it could be corrupted during that time. Then we actually create models that operate on this data, and then we show the results. Every single part of this cycle can be hacked. Every single part of this cycle has some type of attack chances, right? So many, many companies will look into it. They they have no options, right? In, In order for us to trust AI systems, we have to address it. And therefore, we just have to be very serious about, and I think this is the biggest part that we as an IBM are very interested in, what are the required documents that we package those systems with that describe what we did when mm-hmm. we created and when we produced those systems. Just like we have packaging on, on, on grocery Any product. products, Any uh, product. ingredients and, and regulations of that. That's no? right. Any engineering product has a history, what was done, what products, what elements were connected within it. For AI systems, we're going to have to think, 
Um, do we give an information? What was the, what were the data sets? Uh, what was the metadata? Uh, hyper relationships within you know neural networks. Um, questions about did we test against specific biases? Yes or no? And I think the most important part for me is in any product I create a specific description that says within those limit ranges my product operates. Outside of those limit ranges, it does not. We have to do the same thing for AI, and we have to be very honest. I tested the system for this from A to B. Outside of it, it was not tested. And we just have to really start creating. IBM is really, uh, really active in community discussions. Well, what needs to be in those, we call them right now AI fact sheets, but you can call them you know, product documents. You can call them software development documents, whichever way you choose. So just as an example, just like we uh, test buildings for eco-friendliness, we'll have the same for right. AI on their bias uh, that's uh, right, that's and right. so on. Uh, in interesting. A lot of people fear that uh, with the, the power of, of technology, it might actually turn evil to somehow and, and, and powerful to control our life. How can we protect against unintended consequences of the power of AI controlling different things, different uh, houses and, and, and factories? And, and transportation systems. That's right. So um, AI is not a technology that just came in, right? Um, we have many years of people discussing AI, and therefore um, a lot of questions about how far we can go with AI systems has been already part of our uh, discussion. And I think, and it's a good thing, because I th really think people need to almost imagine the worst to build for the best, right? And so think about it this way. We, from technology point of view, completed the task of enhancing AIs on a single tasks. So visual analytics is absolutely passing human capabilities. Computer can much faster recognize cat, dog, label them, right? Or amazing. cancer. Or cancer, right? Which is even more, absolutely even more amazing. Sound analytics, uh, speech recognition by computers now pass, bypass uh, human uh, levels of those capabilities. And there will be many more of those successes that relate to the single mode, what we call single mode of operations of AI. We now, um, especially as an IBM, are working in this era that is called broad AI, which is really combining two different modalities. So I can combine visual and acoustic analytics for anomaly detection. So if I'm in industrial sector, if I'm in manufacturing floor, um, sometimes it's very loud, sometimes let's say there's a dust, right? And you as a human may not be as good as accurate in judging what happens, but machines will be much better. And I think my comment is we have to almost think that we cannot go and develop the best AIs in everything. We have to spend time to really sit in this broad AI time to really think about what it means to be a robust AI. The third category is the supremacy, mm -hmm. and we just simply are not there. We, we really need to spend quality time of deciding everything that relates to those trusted systems. And if we do that, then we will not be jumping to Matrix and all those other movies, right, that may implicate that. It's almost like um, thinking already about being in college when in reality maybe we just finished the daycare, right, and mm -hmm. we are reaching the preschool. You've already mentioned security. Let's say a bank installs uh, an intelligent bot to service clients. Probably there are ways to manipulate it as That's an right. external force. Uh, how do we keep our AI systems safe uh, from adversaries? There is a, a lot of work related to discussions, AI for security, security for AI. A lot of banks are going to new 
pass image, image uh, inspection biometrics type of solutions for ATMs and others. And there have been proofs already in adversary attacks where an image can be corrupted with a very little data and changed, right? So if you think for the banking, right, then access denial type of or access activation type of uh, problems will occur. And that's why when we talked before about security, this is such a hard area. When we talk about AI biases, many companies are working on it. Many universities already wrote the papers. In security, we're really just starting this area because only over the last few years, we show how prominent uh, hacking activities are and how happy are those who hack because now they have those opportunities. I think of AI that I have this opportunity to, to create a very, very amazing systems. They have the same thinking. They're just saying, you know, I have this amazing opportunity to hack those amazing systems, right? And we have to be very serious that for some of the systems, it will take a while to develop those capabilities. But we also have to be serious that in many cases, as it relates to security outside of AI, year after year, new solutions have to be built uh, because what was current and relevant and working yesterday does not work today. And this will be continuation of a typical software development with more focus now specifically on AI. And I guess at least I, I used to think always that it's like those hackers somewhere sitting, sending those spam messages from Nigeria or whatever. Uh, but actually, those are actual bot to bot wars or AI to AI wars. And some people just create machines to fight the other machines. And yeah. I think this, this is the interesting <laughs> era that we have to, for the first time, realize that it becomes much more interesting, much more complex, no doubt, but it's much more interesting and folks are asking are we gonna use machines to protect ourselves we have to understand machines have a better capability of understanding patterns hacking is a pattern mm -hmm. the way you attack something is a pattern so it is very possible that in the future those systems will be automated with machines helping us but as usual in all those systems if you think about any security systems we have right now it's the human that oversees the overall work of those systems and so i think we just have to remember that we are trying to have ais those systems as assist to us uh, but at the end, at least IBM's point of view of it is that we are at the end the ones that are making the final decisions. Don't you fear this wave of unemployment thanks yeah, so to AI? This, it's obviously one of the ethical challenges. Yeah, so let, let's be let's be clear on um, on the challenges. Uh, folks are asking, you know, loss of job is one of them. Loss of craftsmanship. You know, are, will, will the new systems be as creative as us and create things that are that are um, important to us? And so my comment is the following. Every single big technology that came through, you know, and we have many of trans transformational technologies that came through, electricity, steam, you know, every single one of those could have changed and did change some of the capabilities of humans finding new jobs, humans looking for new capabilities and skills. When I look at those new developments, I, I, I just cannot even imagine how many data, and I, I don't mean data scientists per se, but how many people we're going to need to hire over the next few years that understand data sets, that understand how to test them, that understand how to debug them, debias them? How many more security? How to train the, the bots, right. because, yes. Because, you know, if you think about this, if I just have uh, the 180 biases mm -hmm. and I need to test against all of them, who's going to do this, right? Okay, machines may do some of this, but we really need very skilled workforce to address the capabilities of making AIs better. 
Mm -hmm. uh, we mentioned security. I, I think we will, we will have incredible needs for security specialists for those new systems. So we just have to think of transformational. In US, um, if you think of uh, decades ago, 80% of US was farmers. Now I think 20 or 30% of US is farmers. Did they all lose jobs? No, they all moved to, to a big cities. They all now engage in very different opportunities, right? Mm -hmm. And I think we just, we just have to be honest, that is the same thing for any new technologies. There will be simply new jobs that we have to consider. And for us, really considering how many people will need for this data processing piece is very important. But even more important to us is training the new generation to tell them that these are the upcoming jobs and we need them, right? Mm -hmm. We really, really need them. Yeah, to, it's, it's almost like in the quantum computing, right? We, when, when you announce the new quantum computing system and you have not enough people trained, companies like IBM go to schools, create a quantum computing training programs because we're going to need those skills uh, in the future. To quote Jurassic Park, nature will find a way and here That's, the economy will find a way, it will force people to go to retrain themselves or, or educate. I, I, I'm actually going to say it's a little more because we have to be proactive. Mm -hmm. We have to right now really start training the new generation for the jobs we're going to have in the future. And AI is here, right? So it's not like we have to wait. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I'm very excited about many of the universities creating data scientist programs, right? Uh, really looking at uh, business organizations and what it, will make to, what it mean to them to be the information technology companies with artificial intelligence in it. I have um, one more question that, that keeps to my, uh, coming to me when I, I think of AI as a technology differentiator. While Most of businesses that I know have strong brands because of this cultural, personal touch and emotions, uh, uh, emotional intelligence and the way they treat their customers. If you take Southwest or whatever, can you teach culture to AI and have one customer service done by a bot in one company having a different level of friendliness and making different decisions just like in Zappos or in Southwest versus uh, have a more stricter culture in another AI powered uh, bot? Can we actually influence also how they feel like as, as humans? So I would say this is the era of amazing and very exciting research. So just at the Tink event in Warsaw, a professor Alexandra from one of the universities in Poland was describing her finding from her research about the bots. And she said that the bots that were just text-based were tested against the bots that actually had the personality. Mm -hmm. And amazingly enough, the bots that just had the text were actually treated as the smarter ones versus the ones that had personality because people much more negatively uh, reacted to the bots with the personality. It's a human nature. This mm -hmm. is what's being studied. And we have to now take the study and have to realize what does that mean mm -hmm. from the our ability to create best bots. I think in the areas where you really have a very strong customer interaction, sales and so forth, those bots will be a little different, maybe, than the bots in the uh, business environments when what you want is a very clear analysis of risk. And so I'm really focused much more on decision making and I'm asking, give me pros and cons, right? Most, more like the debater technologies that IBM de develop so that I can really understand what is the decision that I'm making. In those future uh, use case scenarios, what you want, what you focus on is a little different than the, the appeal of the customer interaction. In those 
fact-oriented interactions just so much more important, right? So, and in those systems, it's the overall engagement with the AI system as an environment. So my ability to project more data, my ability to quickly see more data appearing and reacting to my voice would be probably much more important. So I think the way we're going to interact with the AIs will very much depend on what's the application of that AI. So last question, what's ahead? What are you most excited about right now in this field? I think, as I mentioned, my excitement goes into the fact that we are creating new communities of people discussing trusted AI. Mm -hmm. And the voice of everybody has to be heard. And, and most importantly, the experience of everyone has to be brought in to create those solutions for AI. IBM is creating tools for fairness. IBM is looking for tools for transparency, but those are where will be the final product that comes for us. Some of them will be available to all, but everyone has to tell us what they see as the most important part. And I will say the following. If you think of transparency, if you are a customer, you want to know a particular case. So if a doctor says, you know, we analyzed this uh, particular cell, uh, would the patient have the cancer or not, and it's yes or no, and give me the supporting documentation. If the, if the person that is uh, looking at the AI is the government organization, for audit, they will need very different type of documentation. If a person that analyzes AI is me, the researcher, clearly I want to know about the models, I want to know about algorithms used, right? And then at the end, if you are a developer, you're probably looking at what programming uh, languages this was built, right? So every one of the users of the system has different requirements. Mm -hmm. How do we create this documentation that helps us all independently of who we are? And I think that's that's the, the most challenging, but actually a very exciting and very doable part of building AIs. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Heart Tech Podcast.